Right, Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 30. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do the people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. May God bless to us today this reading. That's my king. He said there partway through, I wish I could describe him. (laughs) He did a pretty good job, didn't he? I wish I could describe him. He's indescribable. If this is who Jesus is, don't you think it would be wise to get to know him? I think so. During this term, we're going to take a look at all of the significant I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. Who he declares that he is. And he said, I am the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate to the sheepfold, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, and the vine. They're the significant seven statements that Jesus declared he was or he is. And all of those have something to say about his saving nature, his purpose in saving a world of lost sinners. But for today, we're going to look at a few of the other lesser-known I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. And many of these point to his divinity, that he was one with the Father, that he belonged to God, that he was returning to God, his Father. Other statements point out his humanity. And you'll recall that when he was on the cross, he said, I am thirsty, declaring his humanity, I'm thirsty. He was fully human, fully God, a concept that is just too difficult for us to fully comprehend. But the significance of his I am statement stem back to Exodus chapter 3. When God first reveals his name to Moses, the Hebrew people had been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. And Moses was now living in Midian, he had fled Egypt and God came to him and spoke to him through a burning bush. And when Moses asked God, what is your name? God says, I am who I am. And this is not some trite way of avoiding the question of God sort of saying, I am who I am and I'm not going to tell you. I am whom I am, and you'll have to figure that out. No, this is God declaring his sovereignty. I am who I am. I am so much more than you can comprehend. I am who I am. You see, the Hebrew people living in Egypt were accustomed to being surrounded by temples of places of worship to all kinds of deities and these so-called gods had faces and bodies and they had life and death kind of stories. 
Most significantly, these so-called gods had names and dominion over just certain aspects of life. For example, the goddess Isis had dominion over women, children and medicine. Her name identified her with specific characteristics and she held sway only over those few elements of life. And there were other gods who were thought to control the weather, the sun god Ra, the crops. Other gods were responsible for marine life or the oceans. And so most people spent time appealing to and trying to appease the various gods so that their lives would prosper. And they'd go from this god to that god to another god, so-called gods, to seek to be prosperous in their life. This is not what God declares about himself. Not so for the God of Israel. He says, I am who I am. I am sovereign. He is Lord of all, self-sufficient, unchanging, eternal God. He is all-encompassing and self-sufficient. His name is above every other name. And he declares that he is in control. He is sovereign. I am who I am. And yet he is also personal. When he made himself known to Moses and to his people, he promised that he would be with them. I will be with you. I will be your God and you will be my people. And he promised to deliver them from their oppression, from their slavery. He promised to take them to a good land. And they could trust him to be true to his word, to his promises. I wonder who is God to you? Who is God to you? He is who he is, but do you really know him? He's the big boss and you do what you do to try and keep him happy so that you'll be blessed, so that you'll be prosperous. Or is he your heavenly father? Do you have a sense that I am who I am is your heavenly father? Abba, your dad. He's been called the great I am. And this same God who delivered his people from captivity in Egypt is still at work today and still doing exactly as he's always done. He's still redeeming, he's still rescuing, he's still saving his people. So when Jesus declares himself as I am, it's little wonder that the Pharisees wanted to stone him to death for blasphemy. Because he was aligning himself with the great I am of Exodus. Only God, only Jesus can say, I am who I am. Because they never change and they don't need to. You and I, on the other hand, should never say, I am who I am. And use that as an excuse not to change. I am who I am. I've always been this way. We are who we are, but we need to become more like Jesus, don't we? 
As I mentioned, I'd like to consider a few of these other I am statements of Jesus. The one that links directly back to Exodus 3 is in John chapter 8. You might like to open to John chapter 8, but the verses all appear on the screen. And Jesus is speaking with the religious leaders of the day, with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees. And he tells them that he is God's son and then aligns himself with God as being the great I am. So from verse 54, he said, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father whom you claim as your God, remember he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the the religious leaders of the day, my father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me, though you do not know him. I know him. And if I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and and you've seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. What a challenging statement. Jesus not only claims that he knew Abraham when he walked the earth, but he claims to be God. Little wonder they did. They tried to stone him then and there. But if you keep reading, he slips away from the temple grounds. And almost every English translation in the Bible, of the Bible, translates verse 58 this way. Before Abraham was born, I am. There's one exception. The NWT. That is the New World Translation. And that's the Bible that the JWs use. And in John 8.58, they translate it, I have been. They do so because they know that if they translate it, I am, then you have Jesus making a claim to being God. This is something that they deny. If you're ever in a conversation with a JW, take them to John 8.58. What does your Bible say? Well, this is what mine says. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God. And Jesus clearly makes that claim that he is God. And in fact, in John chapter 10, two chapters further on, we read a further occasion when they try to stone Jesus for blasphemy. Again, he slips away. But in verse 36, he directly refers to himself as the Son of God. So is Jesus God's Son to you or is he only a man a good teacher he did amazing things he's still just a man if he is God's son to you then you must also do something with his teaching to repent and be baptised to accept the purpose for his coming and his life his death on the cross You can't just leave Jesus as God's son without doing something with the rest of his teaching. You see, when Jesus says, I am whom I am, he says that he is from the Father, 
He is in the Father, one with the Father. He is not alone, not of this world, but from above. And 15 times in the Gospel of John, John records Jesus says that he is going to the Father. Every one of these verses that is up on the screen, in every one of those verses, Jesus says, I am. I am from the Father. I am in the Father. I am one with the Father. I am not alone. I am not of this world. I am from above and I am going to the Father, to my Father. Jesus made it quite clear in his teaching that he had come from the Father and was returning to the Father. And so we're only wise when we look to and learn from Jesus. It was Paul who wrote in Colossians 1.19, God was pleased, God the Father was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus. And so God encouraged those who were present at his transfiguration, he encourages you and I too. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And God then says to them, listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him. How are you refreshing your heart toward Jesus each day? How are you refreshing your heart toward Jesus each day? Do you know him? Are you listening to him? Fifteen times Jesus says that he is going away and he also says that he is coming again. John fourteen twenty eight. I am going away and I am coming back to you. I am coming back. In the meantime, he's left the Holy Spirit, his spirit, God's spirit, the spirit of God, with us to empower, encourage, guide and comfort us. The spirit draws and prompts us such that we understand God's word and we can live for him. And he starts that transformative process, making us to be like Jesus. Would you turn with me to John 8? 23 to 24. And before I read it, keep in mind that the word he, and it's, it's the way it is in all of these verses from John, wherever it says I am he, the word he isn't in the original Greek. It's been supplied to help make the, sense, the, the sentence make sense for us and to know that this is Jesus referring to himself. But in every verse, it simply says I am, in the Greek. From verse 23, he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sin, for unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin. Jesus is having it here. He's having another debate with the, the Pharisees and he's, he's not only challenging their theological understanding but their prideful position that because they're keeping the letter of the law that that should see them into heaven. 
If I'm being good enough, that should see me in. Many people today still hope that being good enough will see them accepted into glory. But we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners, only saved by the grace of God through faith. And the thrust of what Jesus is telling them is that they are of this world. He's from above. He's not of this world and he's been sent by his father. And in fact, he says to them, you will die in your sin unless you believe that I am. I am God's son. I am from the father. I am God too. He says, unless you believe this, you will die in your sin. What a challenge for the Pharisees. And we know that at least Nicodemus goes away and he meditates upon this. And later he approaches Jesus in the quiet of night to discuss things with him some more. And he comes to believe. He comes to accept Jesus as I am. Do you hope that being good might get you into heaven? You can take the guesswork out of it by acknowledging that Jesus is God's son and accepting that his death on the cross has paid the price for your sin. By accepting his love and forgiveness in faith, you will be saved. In Mark chapter 8, and this is the reading that we've heard this morning Jesus takes his disciples for a wander right up to Caesarea Philippi and this is some 40 kilometres north of the Sea of Galilee at the base of Mount Hermon and this is the location of one of the largest springs that feeds the Jordan River there are three springs that feed the Jordan River but this was the largest and it's a place where numerous temples to various gods were built and some of those remains are still there today. On the way, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. Earlier on, the disciples were amazed when Jesus calmed the waters of the storm as they were crossing Lake Galilee. We were thinking about that last week. And they asked, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Well, Peter now knows who this is. He now knows who Jesus is, and he declares him as the Messiah, God's son, the saviour of the world, the one, the prophet, the one that we'd been waiting for. He is the king. Is he your Lord and Messiah? Is he your king? Is he your saviour? Do you give him the respect and the honour that he deserves? For these claims that he makes will have a direct impact upon your life after death. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin. 
Last passage I want to take us to this morning, John 18. So back into John, John 18, verses 3 to 6. And Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the night when he is betrayed. From verse 3. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. And they were carrying torches and lanterns and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and he asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am. Jesus said, I am. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. And when Jesus said, I am, they drew back and they fell to the ground. Notice the power and the authority of Jesus. Judas, a detachment of soldiers, officials from the chief priests and Pharisees, a knockback, flattened when Jesus says, I am. He's the king of kings. And our only appropriate response is to bow before him. They're knocked off their feet and they're not bowing in homage before a God of all creation, but they should have been. They should have been. I wonder how many of them sat quietly later that night and reflected on what had happened. When he said, I am, we all fell over backwards. Reflecting on the majesty of God, the sovereignty of God, the power of God. Have you taken time to reflect on the sovereignty of God and his gracious gift of forgiveness for you through the death of his only son. If you'd like to acknowledge Jesus as your king, then I encourage you to do that today. And you can see one of us if you'd like some help with that. But take time to reflect on Jesus when he said, I am. Who he is and what he has done for you. His love for you. We're going to stand.